Hey, it's Wilson. Uh, no Galvez or Jason again this week. Uh, but I do have uh, someone joining me, uh, a very special guest. Uh, this man is a former college basketball player. Uh, now he's been a coach for um, 10 years uh, in the Midwest. Uh, this guy's a Lakers fan, and we're going to just talk to you know some Lakers ball, NBA playoff bubble basketball. Uh, please welcome uh, my very special guest, Mr. Mark Tinklenberg. Mark, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark, uh, you know, I totally got you. Get you know, you played um, uh, you know, college ball. Uh, you're doing some coaching now. Uh, if you could, you know, I'll, but I'll let you, you know say in your own words, you know, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, you know your place in this uh, game of basketball. Sure. I uh, yeah. Originally, I'm from born in Los Angeles and then moved to the Midwest and grew up here in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, played Division three basketball out here and um, trained in that time with an NBA player, uh, Chris Quinn, who was my good friend from high school, uh, current Miami Heat assistant coach, one of the head assistants there. Um, and started uh, training and, and then coaching uh, directly after I got done. And now I've been coaching 10 years here for a big program in Columbus, uh, Dublin Kaufman Shamrocks, and um, where I graduated from. So I'm coaching where I played in high school. And, and now I'm just in the business of loving NBA and coaching and, and uh, doing some player development along the way. Sounds good. Um, so we're uh you know knee deep into the nba playoffs at this point uh the second round has started uh in its entirety um we're going to lead with the lakers uh the lakers played yesterday uh currently it's today it's monday so i'm recording on labor day lakers played sunday uh game two against the rockets and they were able to tie that series uh at one game apiece um anthony davis had 34 I'm trying to pull up the uh, the box score here. I know LeBron flirted with a triple-double also. Um, John Rondo, uh, probably the most malign, one of the most maligned players in <laughs> Lakers yeah. history. Yeah, he sure <laughs> and, is, man. But he was able to come out and uh, play well, and I, and I think the Lakers are going to need Rondo if they're going to go any, uh, further in the, in the, in the playoffs. Uh, but, Mark, um, just what is your you know impression on this Lakers-Rockets uh, series? this Lakers team in general, uh, and just how you think, uh, see things shaping off of them in the coming days and then coming weeks if possible. Yeah, I think uh, the first thing I really noticed was their adjustment defensively. Um, I, I don't know if you heard the same thing I did. Oddly enough, I heard uh, KCP talk after game one talking about how they weren't really sure what they were going to do rotation-wise. Uh, I found that very my, I found that very odd, but it was very noticeable that they were definitely – a tick off defensively uh, with their rotations and their scrambling. Um, I think last night they got back to what they know, and that is getting the ball inside. Um, I know Frank Vogel has been pressured to put AD at the five. And as you can see last night, there was quite a difference uh, with Markeith in there. And, and Javel has, he's had good stints, um, but I really like when they go small against this Rockets team and, keep AD at the five and Keith at the four or at the five. And you got LeBron. Um, last night was definitely an improvement. You could tell rotation wise, they were, they were there uh, for about three quarters. Now, I don't know if you found it crazy, but 
to think that they won last night and the Rockets shot like as a team 43% from three um, and hit a ridiculous amount of shots really to keep them in it. To me, that's a really good sign. I thought the Rockets maybe played their best overall game in terms of shooting, uh, what we're going to see shooting-wise. You just don't really see that uh, very often. And for the Lakers to still come out on top, very positive sign. Right. Uh, you know, anytime you want a game against the Rockets where they make, you know, they were 22 or 53, as Mark said, they 42% from three. Uh, you know, they made 10 more threes than the Lakers. So that's an extra 30 points, and the Lakers were still able to, to win the game. Uh, that is encouraging. Uh, you know, the Lakers got some help off the bench from uh, my, Mark mentioned Markeith Morris. He had 16. Kyle Kuzma had 13. I mentioned Rajon Rondo had a good game. Um, JaVale's McGee only played eight minutes, and Dwight Howard didn't play at all. So it's yeah. like that. Uh, you know, the Lakers really, you know, Anthony Davis finally coming around with the idea of, of playing center against little PJ uh, Tucker, the little engine. Uh, <laughs> um, Mark, um, how do you, I, I, I know I saw something, um, I saw something interesting from Nick Young that I thought was really smart, where he said that the, that the Lakers need to play their, their hoopers, you know, uh, meaning, uh, you know, Deion Waiters and, and J.R. Smith, as we mentioned. Uh, because if you look at the Lakers, you know, I always thought the, one of the main problems is around LeBron, uh, the Lakers don't really have many creators. You know, uh, Rajon Rondo being back helps. He's a guy who can create for other people. Uh, but yeah. as far as, you know, this being a league now where, you know, you need guards and wings who can put the ball on the floor and make things happen, the Lakers, most of the season, you know, they sign waiters and, 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 uh, and Smith later on. And most of the season, the Lakers haven't really had that. Uh, but in this last game, even in the last game, like, like it's only Waiters only played three minutes, and J.R. Smith didn't play at all, which has pretty much been, you know, uh, the, the norm during the uh, the bubble playoff. Do you think that for the Lakers going forward, uh, or even in this just in this series, that Waiters and Smith will need to play a bigger role, or do you think if they keep it just like they had it yesterday, that they'll be okay? Well, I think as, the important thing that at least has stood out to me is that versus this Rockets defense. Um, it is, it is the most important thing for the Lakers to do is to get out and transition. To me, that is because the Rockets' defense, uh, it, it's like it really does look kind of like an open gym. I mean, they're just kind of – they switch, and they do switch well, um, and they stand. And if you watched uh, – if you were to hit pause on the screen, um, anytime a Laker penetrated the lane, you would see four Rockets inside the lane. And I think that's where Nick Young was probably mentioning those two guys as just hoopers, guys that can just freestyle and play a little bit and make that defense collapse to get your shooters easier shots. So Rajon Rondo coming in last night, I think he led the team in terms of plus minus. And I think his he on his assists, he led to 28 points on his passes. And all of his passes, for the most part, we're getting inside the lane and creating that outside look. Uh, it is the best shot in basketball, at least from the three-point line. There, there has to be penetration in that lane. And, and I kind of – I mentioned this in a previous tweet somewhere that um, for the Lakers to win and win convincingly, they have to get in the paint as many possessions as they can off the dribble or by feeding it and forcing that defense to collapse to get those open looks. That's how you see Keith getting rhythm. That's how you see – um, you know, Caruso getting rhythm on a dime. You see Kuzma getting rhythm, and now all of a sudden, uh, you got a you got a true engine going. You got LeBron and AD still uh, 
mixing in other guys, but I, I, I see what you're saying. And I do think it could be important. I'm unsure about J.R. Smith, and there has to be something going on with waiters defensively um, because he's good enough offensively to make an impact in this series. And I think he's going to be good enough and important enough that we're going to need him at some point versus the Clippers, uh, a la Lou Williams style, coming off and just making plays off the bench um, when things can get stagnant. So um, – I see what he's saying. I think they could be important. Um, but the reason that it's important is because the ball has to touch the paint or get to the elbow or get to that 15, 17 foot range because you'll see the Rockets just four guys take a step towards the ball and it, it just frees everything up on the perimeter for more penetration or for open threes. Um, LeBron has been. Uh, he's been fantastic as opposed to, I've been of, of the opinion that LeBron doesn't really, you know, I feel like he's not quite the same guy. I feel like the, the, the guy that that uh, we last, that we saw in Cleveland in 2018 that dragged that uh, Cleveland team in the finals, I feel like that was the last version of LeBron that we saw that was that. Just just, just put, just give me some guys, you know, especially yep. just give me a couple, a couple of all-stars and yep. I'll take you to the finals at least. I feel like he kind of left that on the floor in, you know, in that, that last series against Golden State. And that the guy we have now is somebody who needs a little bit more help, which would make sense. He's in his 17th year. Yeah. Uh, do you think LeBron is still the guy who can pull off some of the feats that he pulled off when he was in Cleveland and Miami? Or do you agree with me that he's, you know, he's lost a step, maybe half a step, still obviously a top five player, MVP candidate. But how do you feel about that? Can LeBron, you know, with AD's help, just carry us there if need be? Or does he need to lean more on AD and more on, you know, teammates that really may not be there if the Lakers are going to go all the way? I can't believe I'm saying this because he's older than I am. And I know how I physically feel after going on a run or playing hoops. Um, and I just can't believe how consistent he has been and how he really does turn it on in the playoffs. You know, we we had to wait a season last year. Um, I would have been interested to see what they could have done last year with those young guys um, and him. But it, it is incredible to watch him continue to raise his level of play in the postseason. I mean, he's shooting the highest percentage at the rim right now out of anybody in the playoffs. So that, you know, that, that tells me, uh, in transition and in the half court, when he's turning the corner, I mean, there's just nobody that can compete with him still at the rim. And so I just think he he can do enough um, to still make it happen this year. Uh, next round is going to just – well, I, I, they have to take care of business still here this round. But, you know, I, I think as, as we continue to move on through the playoffs, um, I just think he's going to get a little bit sharper, a little bit sharper – and if if you remember, which I'm sure you do, um, you know, right before COVID hit and we were in March and they, they went against the Clippers and Bucks, that was a different that was an even a different version of LeBron that maybe we haven't seen yet. You know, the physicality, just the 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 three point shooting, which has really, I think, taken him to just a totally different. He's shooting 40 some odd percent from three in the playoffs right now. And uh, 68 or 69% from the, from the two at the rim. Um, and then last night he sprinkled in a couple mid-range, which I know a lot of people have been begging to see. 
ice the game with that little mid range. Um, he's incredible, man. And and it, I what stood out to me the most, I guess, about him is that on those loose balls when he's throwing ahead to Caruso, he's still the fastest guy on the court. I don't know how he does this, um, but he's he's just blowing by Westbrook. He's blowing by Covington on the fast break. And then just jumping in his head is looking down at the rim. It's just it's it's unbelievable to see. So, yeah, I, I do think I will disagree with you a little bit. I think he's got enough, and I, I think AD when he when he wants to, man, and and when he gets aggressive or when people start doubting him, he is just those two are just too good to um and definitely to, to not have a chance to at least get to the NBA Finals and and to win it. So. That's where I'm at with it. It's just it's it's amazing to watch. We've met, we really truly have never seen anything quite like what he can do in his 17th season and his 14th full full postseason, um, with a majority of those going all the way to the finals. So the mileage is incredible, and the durability and and everything that comes along with him. So yeah, he, he's been amazing. Right, um, Anthony Davis. You know, I, you know, I grew up like you did. Watching Shaq and Kobe, oh yeah! Uh, watching them go into San Antonio, go into Sacramento, go into Portland, in these hostile environments against really good teams, and just take the life out the arena, and take the heart out their opponent. Uh, and I really look at LeBron. You know, LeBron's done that. He's done that in Boston. He's done that in Indiana. He's done that in different places. But it's not really his personality. Like Shaq and Kobe were really killers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, and, you know, but you know, and Anthony Davis, I definitely think that's not his uh, personality. Even though the numbers sometimes are, you know, they're, they're fantastic. Oh, you know, for his career, you know, people have been floating around. He's averaging thirty points and twelve rebounds for his career in the playoffs. But uh, mentality-wise, you know, a lot of people, you know, we remember when we had Kobe and Gasol mm-hmm. made three finals with them and won two titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gasol was much maligned after what he did at that two thousand eight finals against Boston, and he came back tougher. And I kind of feel like, you know, you know, I, I kind of feel like Paul Gasol, uh, I think, I don't know, he might not really like to play center either, but he would do it. You know, he had to do yeah. it. You know, when Biden would get hurt and stuff like that, and he would, you know, he was, you know, Gasol was great for us, man. Guy's a, a Hall of Fame oh, yeah. player. Um, do you think that Anthony Davis has the mental toughness uh, to go to war with? Uh, is he the type of guy who, you know, when he, you know, if it, this if they get deeper, and it gets to like a series against the Clippers, and the Clippers have some dogs, is is Anthony Davis, you know, and just like PJ Tucker's a dog, you know, Westbrook is a dog. Uh, it does is Anthony Davis the type of guy who has a type of mental toughness uh, in a you know a deep playoffs, you know, series you know, late in the playoffs uh, to hold up and to help the Lakers uh, get to a championship. I'm really glad you brought that up, actually. Um, I've been watching a ton of the Kobe Shaq title run playoff games, just running them back on YouTube and just enjoying uh, watching those two guys. Exactly what you said is is spot on what those two would do. And I was thinking last night, you know, do these can these two guys do the same thing before the game? I, I was honestly thinking that. I thought exactly what you said. You know, we had two guys in Shaq and Kobe, like you said, that when – when all the chips were down, you know, those two guys would find a way to elevate their competitiveness, which they had that every night anyway, but still they could take that even to another level. And you're right. And sack going into Sacramento, I, I was watching that series. Um, and 
and just watching them come in, I think it was the 2001 playoffs and just going in there in a, in a hostile environment and just taking the life out of people, man. It's th- those two guys and Kobe specifically for me, watching him 21 years old, man, uh, arguably the best player in the world at 21 years old. I don't know uh, many that, that can do that. He was, he was just, he was my all time favorite, but go, thinking about Anthony Davis, you made another good point with Pau Gasol. Um, I don't know. I, I got to tell you, that is the one thing that scares me um, about these playoffs moving forward. Uh, that is a question mark. And it has been kind of all year. And and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but he has been up and down all year in these um, playoff type environment games throughout the season with the Lakers, you know, opening night against the Clippers. You know, that was the one thing what you said that that's what you saw in a a playoff style. I know it was opening night. Guys are just kind of getting into the swing of things, but still um, that is something where if you, if you want to chime in on this, if that was opening night and the Clippers were as good as they were uh, now in the year 2000 or 2001, um, you know, that's a night where I would see Shaq just going for about 40 and 20. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They would have taken that personally that the Clippers were even daring to try to, you know, right, <laughs> right. Level. So, so I am concerned, um, but you know, I don't know if we can compare right now. I, mean, I know last night the stats were were really good against uh, PJ Tucker, but PJ Tucker has gotten the best of him this year, and quite frankly, all the matchups up to this point um, until last night. I know, I know, Anthony Davis had a good box score game one in terms of his field goals and stuff, but anytime PJ Tucker guarded him, he kind of would just settle for a jab step fade away 18 footer. And that's the thing is that as you're saying, um, you know, can he, can he raise that level? Um, last night was the first time I saw him in a tight game against that. He took James Harden right to the block and James Harden's known as a good post defender and did a really nice, he faked inside spun back baseline and one dunk. Boom. And I was like, Oh, okay. And, and that was kind of a moment for me where I thought, well, maybe he does. So, what you're asking is very relevant because it's, I think it's a question mark for, for a lot of Lakers fans and um, moving forward, he's going to have to, we're going to find out and we're going to find out tomorrow night really, because I, to me tomorrow night's another must win for the Lakers against Houston um, to kind of make sure that they got their, their, their hand around this series. Um, okay, Mark, I'm going to get, I'm going to put you on the spot before we move to the uh, next subject. Yeah. If you had to, if you were a betting man and you know you were forced to uh, put some money on the line uh, right now uh, as to whether or not the Lakers are, are going to win the championship uh, this year in the bubble, would you put your money on the Lakers or would you not? Um, yeah, I would. Um, I would, and I, I just would simply because um, there are no home games. So, you know, we're seeing some of these guys start to get comfortable and I don't know what Anthony Davis would have done on the road in Houston, uh, you know, tomorrow night, what would have been tomorrow night. Uh, I don't know how he would have performed in that type of environment. Um, but all things equal, that is the one thing about the bubble that has been so unique is that, to me, I truly think the best players uh, and team will win. I mean, you're going to get true results here. There's not – I don't know um, – I don't know how else to explain it other than, you know, my friend who's currently coaching for the Miami Heat in the bubble, uh, 
he just made a really good point that he said basically all things even, the better team's going to win. That, that's just it because there are no there are no advantages. The environment's fantastic, he said. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually pretty hype in there, but it's just straight basketball in its purest form. Who can execute better and who's got the better guys? And to me, um, at least – looking at how things have shaken up in the East and the West, I, I would definitely still put my money on the Lakers. Okay. Um, so elsewhere, uh, so we have Celtics and Raptors. Uh, that series is tied at uh, two games apiece. Uh, the Raptors, uh, the Celtics rather had a chance to really put the Celtics in a stranglehold and go up 3-0 in game three and inexplicably they left OG Ananobi open in the corner oh, man. five tenths of a second left, and he hit a three to win the game. And the Raptors come back and they uh, tie the series on uh, Saturday, and now they play uh, later uh, later on today on Labor Day in a pivotal game five. Um, just looking at that series now, with three games left in that series, um, you know, what's your, how do you handicap it? You know, what have you uh, seen? And you know, I've always said that I just think the, the Celtics have guys who are you know, just have more game, basically, just more talent. And, yeah. you know, uh, but, you know, the Raptors are a champion, and you never want to give a, a championship team a uh, new yeah. life. So, Man, what um, a devastating mistake made there on that defensive possession. Um, and give Kyle Lowry, Lowry some credit on that pass, too. That was a just an absolutely – I mean, if, he, if he's off by a couple inches on either side of him, he doesn't probably even get that shot up. So what a pass, but what a what – a, bad mistake by Jalen Brown there in the help. I honestly, I don't think he even thought Lowry could make that pass over the top <laughs> uh, and get it to get, down and, uh, get it to OG. So um, I just could not, I can't stress enough how that one play has totally shifted the series. Uh, I still think Boston's got too much, as you said, just on the wing with Jalen Brown and and Tatum, I, those two are they're interchangeable, and they they defend, and they both are scoring. And then you got Kemba Walker, but um, but man, I at the same time, I, I I will not be shocked if the Raptors come out of this and end up winning this series. Um, I, I'd put a lot of money on this thing going seven. Yeah, uh, it seems like that's where it's going. That's where it's headed for sure. Um, you know, I also want to add, I think Taco, Taco Fall should have been, I know he's already like seven, six or whatever, but he should have been jumping up and down. No uh, doubt, more. man. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't doing enough to, you remember back in the day, Lamar Odom making like in 2009, 2009, Absolutely. making those His deflections. legs and arms flying everywhere, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Taco wasn't doing quite enough, but. No. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens going forward. Uh, and then also in the East, we have the Heat and the Bucks. Uh, the Heat took a 3 nothing lead in that series. Um, only to to come back uh, and lose game four, which was yesterday. Uh, you know, it went to overtime, uh, and they had a chance to uh, to close it out. But the uh, the Bucks, who were down Giannis after Cooper after uh, you know eleven minutes, and Giannis only played eleven minutes, that he sprained his ankle. Um, they were able to you know show that they had some heart and extend yeah. their season. Um. I don't know what Giannis is, uh, uh, you know, if he's going to be a goal for game five or not, you would hope so. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if he's not, it's probably over. You know, it probably just prolonged the inevitable. 
I don't know how you feel about that one. I know this this Miami team has been, uh, you know, it's you know that was their first loss of the postseason, so they were seven and zero before that loss. They're showing everybody uh, that they're you know better than I better than I thought they were. Uh, yeah, wow. I thought, I thought their record was was better than you know. I mean, so I thought it was a good team that played well together, but I have been surprised at what they've been doing. But um, just how do you feel about um, uh, about that series? How do you feel about Giannis and uh, what's been disappointing? Uh, disappointing showing uh, from him, you know, as he's already won Defensive Player of the Year and he's on the verge, of, of course, of winning a, a second straight MVP. Uh, just you know, and you know, do you think you know? I think most people probably think that he will close it out, you know, soon. Uh, what's your take on that series? Well, my first take is, is that this is what makes the NBA so great, right? I mean, you got you got. Probably you got last year's MVP and probably soon to be announced this year's MVP coming in with the team with the best record coming in to the bubble. And they just look different that for whatever reason, they don't seem the same. I They do feed a lot off their, their home court. Um, they always play well at home, at least from any time I've watched them play on TV at home. They, they seem to always have a 10, 20 point spurt at home that always separates them. Um, throughout the course of the game and and that's the key to these playoffs and basketball in general is something I was always told and I'm sure everybody's heard is that it's a game of runs and and how many runs can you put together and they just haven't been able to do any um, I see the heat closing this out in five uh, you look at the heat and they got eight guys right now that are just hooping man I mean they are just they are so locked in defensively give that coaching staff credit um, I know I'm a little biased, uh, you know, coming with coming from a guy who's good friends with the head assistant there. But I mean, they they, they do everything right. Their player development's incredible. Tyler Hero, uh, fearless, absolutely fearless. And then Jimmy Butler, you know, looking like what they were hoping, and and their coaching staff uh, thinks of him. And I quote that that he is just something fierce. Um, that's that's what I was told that he's just. He's fierce in every way. I love that he left his family at home and said, guys, this is a business trip. And they're the team in the East to me that can make it out. Um, I think they can beat – I think they'll beat Milwaukee in game five. I just don't think Milwaukee has enough. Um, And I do think that no matter who it is, Raptors or Boston, I I think it's going to be Boston. I think the Heat matches up with both of those teams extremely well. And they are going to be a handful to try to get out of these playoffs. Um, Bam, Bam is—he's turned into, to me, the if you want to look at a what the NBA is going to be moving towards with future centers. Man, Bam Adebayo is—he has just been phenomenal. He is killing Lopez, and he's forcing Milwaukee to go small, and then he's just dominating the glass, and he's hitting mid-range jumpers, and his energy. That guy plays like 38 minutes a night. He never looks tired. So, yeah, the Heat, to me, are the team in the East right now that's coming out, um, in my opinion. So, yeah, I got Heat in five, and I got them coming out of the East. Yeah, the, um, the Heat, and I was, it was interesting. I was reading up on, um, on Jimmy Butler's uh, story, which I wasn't familiar with, with like, you know, his background. Yeah. Uh, as far as his, you know, his, his father never being in his life, and then his, even his mother, uh, you know, basically kicking him out the house when he was 13, uh, and then, you know, his rise, you know, being homeless and then going to junior college and then up in Marquette, working his way into the first round. And to me, that, you know, that 
that type of you know life like that it personifies who he is as a player and you know it's almost like you know those uh you know if you look at this heat team there's really nobody that they have who was like a a blue chip prospect you know of their main main guys and so it's just a really hard nose uh team that you know that uh, with a chip on its shoulder guys who have something to prove almost like kind of like Riley's 90s uh, Knicks teams, which were, you know, outside of Patrick Ewing, most of those guys were not, you know, like high draft pick, pampered, uh, you know, stars like that. And yeah, they remind me a lot of the 2000, what, four Detroit Pistons, you know? Yeah, I mean, someone else said that, yeah. Yeah, like Ben Wallace, kind of Bam, mm-hmm. those two are similar. Bam's got more of an offense. But, yeah, I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And, you know, they play basically, I mean, they play uh, like they have, you know, nothing to lose. And Milwaukee plays like, you know, they have everything to lose, uh, except really in game four, once, Gian- once Giannis went down, then, you know, Milwaukee started playing free. Um, and they're just, uh, you know, they, they, play, they play like Miami, you know, I, I tweeted this, they play like they're the, Miami plays like they're the one seed, and they have, yeah. <laughs> they have Milwaukee play like Milwaukee's <laughs> the, the, the five seed, or the yeah. fourth seed. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just really uh, great to watch. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think Miami's going to finish them off, and uh, yeah, they're going to go forward. Um, and then the other series in the West uh, is Clippers and um, Nuggets, and they play tonight at uh, at six p.m. Uh, right now, that series is tight, one game apiece. After the Clippers came out and dominated Game One, the Nuggets came out and dominated Game Two. Uh, you put your money on the, the Lakers to win the title because you said, you know, in that bubble environment, uh, the best team is just going to win because there's no home court advantage or anything like that. So do you, so I guess you think the Clippers, the, the Lakers have better talent or a better team than the Clippers do? Uh, um, if- I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they have a better team. Um, what I do think is that for whatever reason, they have just, they've been more consistent uh, the Clippers scare me. I don't know about you because two things scare me about them, positive and negative for them. And you can kind of add on to this, but the positive for them is that talent wise and kind of dog wise, like you've been talking about, they have, they got it all, man. I mean, they have it all. I mean, Paul George is, he's, he's a really, really, really high profile, really skilled wing that can do everything. And then you, obviously you have Kawhi who, to me, is if not top dog, he between him and LeBron, I don't know. Right. Pick your poison. Um, but then you have you go down the list and Patrick Beverly, Montrose Harrell, and Lou Williams, and, and they got guys on guys on guys that have they have the the formula to win it all. What scares me about them is that they just continue to be inconsistent. They came out in game two, and and were acting like they just woke up from a nap. I mean, it was bizarre to watch, you know, um, and that's what scares me about them and is their lack of, of energy after a big win. It seems like they can't – they're struggling to put two in a row together. Now, I'm going to knock on wood as a Lakers fan, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted before this series, I think, I think it had a chance to go seven. Um, I thought Jokic, I just don't know that the Clippers have anything for Jokic. They're going to, they'll figure something out. They'll probably double in when he's down low, but, but the Nuggets have enough to push them. Um, and then I, I retracted really quick after the middle of game one. I thought, Oh God. And, and this is when you and I talked 
And I said, we said, you know, if the Clippers are like this, oh man, you know, they are the best team. But, um, you know, you still have to go out there and do it every night. And for whatever reason, they haven't, they just haven't quite done that after, after convincing wins, they seem to come out and sleepwalk, uh, to bad losses. So. Yeah. Um, it's the Clippers to me, it's, it's a, they've, and they've done that all season. Like they didn't even take the regular, you know, Kawhi has to get his rest. Yeah. It's kind of like a, you know, they had new guys. You want to you know, see, you know, you would think they would want to see how well Kawhi and Paul George play together and how well they fit with, you know, some of the guys who've already been there, like Montrez and, and Lou. And they, but they kind of, kind of just, you know, for, for like a, like a newly formed team, they kind of took the regular season just as a, you know, just as a, you know, I don't know, like just like, like a whatever, you know, yeah. figured, well, once we get to the playoffs, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, if they, if they win the title, and I think they will after, you know, really not even, you know, just using the regular season kind of as a, you know, just, a, you know, it's like a waste of time just to get to the playoffs. It's going to be a bad sign for the rest of the league because once they really get some chemistry, you know, it's going to be, how are you going to beat them if they, if they're already going to win the championship when they really don't have that chemistry yet. So, um, yeah, the Clippers are, you know, I thought that's, you know, the Nuggets surprised me in game two, but I think they just, they act, they act like they're underdogs. So, you know, some of those guys' personalities, they, mm -hmm. and you can't just flip the switch, man. I mean, you gotta, and what they're kind of forgetting is now they're, they're the hunted. I mean, people know how good they are. Teams know how good they are. And you've got to come out and be This I will give Patrick Beverly some credit. He does come out ready to play. And he plays hard, and his energy is important. But these other guys, it just seems like they're just kind of disengaged. They just, they just kind of feel like, uh, he'll take care of it, or uh, uh, defensively, oh, he'll make that rotation, or, or I don't have to get there. And it, they just seem slow after the night before. I watched them. I thought, oh my god, this team is. If this is what they're going to be, they're going to destroy everybody. I mean, they don't. Nobody can match that. Those wings and their length and their 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 pit bull kind of style on the perimeter uh, in their point guard. And obviously Kawhi just being who he is, it's just nothing phases him. Um, but, but then they come out and they, they throw a, a complete stinker in game two. So tonight's going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, I'm assuming the Clippers will rebound tonight and, and will, will win. But I, I do think from here on out, each team's got a blowout. Each team will have adjusted. I do think from here on out, we're going to see tight games coming down uh, these last four or five games. So, all right, uh, all right, Mark. I'm not going to uh, hose you any longer. Really, uh, I want to thank you for coming on. You're obviously very insightful and uh, knowledgeable about the game of basketball. Um, uh, would you like to plug your social media or any other things uh, you know for, where people can find you and and what you're up to? Yeah, man, I'm on Twitter. Um, I will, I will retweet um, if you if you post this. I'll retweet it. But I want to give you a big shout out and say thanks. I just kind of started getting my feet wet in this world and the podcast world, and you were so uh, willing to get me on here. So I really appreciate it. Great conversation, and and I hope to come back soon, man. Yeah, man, I love to have you back on uh, often. Uh, you know, you hope you become a, can become a regular guest, uh, and so. Uh, so thanks again to you, Mark. And uh, so before we get out of here, just a reminder to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TCP underscore pod and to like it on Facebook. Just search for the Complete Player Podcast. Send feedback, 
and mailbag questions to WilsonReportRedux at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. The show is also on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. We are out.